Warning to any listeners, this episode will include descriptions that some people may find distressing. A note before we start, this episode includes references to rape and sexual assault. The victims in this case have not been named as they are guaranteed lifetime anonymity by law, which means that their name or any information which may identify them should never be reported. Any person, including members of the public, who identifies a victim or alleged victim of sexual assault can be held in contempt of court. It was February 2016 when Kent Police got a phone call from the worried girlfriend of a young man who had travelled to Bristol for a photo shoot. The aspiring male model had texted her saying that he believed he'd been drugged by the photographer. Police busted into the home of the alleged photographer Nigel Wilkinson to find the 19-year-old dazed with traces of sedatives in his blood. What they would eventually go on to find in the home would lead to a police investigation spanning several years and the discovery of tens of thousands of photographs that potentially identified dozens of rape victims. This is the unbelievable story of a man who claimed to be a photographer in order to lure men to his home where he plied them with alcohol and administered them with drugs such as rehypnol with the intention of raping and sexually assaulting them. Welcome to episode 8 of Unbelievable, a true crime podcast where each week I'll be taking you through the stories of some of the most disturbing crimes committed in the UK. They are often horrific, sometimes baffling, but always unbelievable. To explain each case, I'll be using reports from police, the media, the trials and statements from family, friends and those involved. It's important to note here that these stories are 100% true. On that day in February, Police entered the home of Nigel Wilkinson in the Windmill Hill area of Bristol, a city in the southwest of England. There they found the young man, who had managed to text his girlfriend for help. He was taken to hospital immediately, where he was tested and found to have traces of sedative in his system. From there, he was taken to attend a sexual assault referral centre for further tests, the results of which led police to go back to Wilkinson's house in April to arrest him. To their horror, when they arrived, Wilkinson was not alone. Inside the house, they discovered a 23-year-old man asleep on the sofa. He could not easily be awoken. They took him to hospital, where evidence was found that the man from Gloucestershire had been drugged and raped. It became clear to police then that the rapes were not isolated incidents, but part of a sinister pattern of heinous crimes committed against men who were unable to remember anything of their assaults. Wilkinson, who was 43 at the time, claimed to be a photographer who specialised in male fitness photography. In the summer of 2015, in the year before his arrest, he had set up a website called Wilco Photography. Wilkinson used social media sites, such as Instagram, to troll for up-and-coming male models, 
and began inviting them to his home under the guise of helping them put a modelling portfolio together. As a part of this deception, he had also created a fake profile of a photographer he called Simon, who was supposed to be a professional, well-known and jet-setting photographer. Wilkinson approached men on social media, telling them he worked for Simon and wanted to do a photo shoot with them. Wilkinson was a gay man, but he set about targeting only heterosexual men. He would invite them to his house where he had his mock studio and would start encouraging them to drink alcohol. Some would be laced with sedatives. Pictures of Wilkinson's home revealed a home bar set up in what looks like the kitchen. It was often the plan for his victims to stay over his house after the photo shoot because a number had travelled from all across the UK. When they became senseless and incapable, it was then that Wilkinson would commit his devastating crimes. During searches of his house, police found tens of thousands of photographs of a large variety of men, some of whom were naked, with images found on his computer, as well as empty drug packets. Detectives and prosecutors became convinced that they were looking at a serial rapist. But the difficulty came in identifying the men from the pictures many who would never remember the violations Wilkinson had inflicted on them. The police initially identified three victims who were willing to testify in court to what they had been through. The trial started in Bristol Crown Court in August 2016, where Wilkinson pleaded guilty to two counts of rape and three counts of administering a substance with intent to rape. He also admitted being in possession of Class C drugs, one a hypnotic and sedative drug called nitrazepam, and flunitrazepam, also known as rehypnol. Representatives from the British press were in court to hear the opening of the case, where it was described how Wilkinson had liked to take the masculinity of straight men. One of the victims gave an impact statement in which he said that rape was the worst crime you could commit against someone. Wilkinson's own defence barrister, Virginia Cornwall, admitted her client had reckless disregard for the men when it came to his own sexual gratification. Miss Cornwall also said that Wilkinson, who had been in custody since May, had acted that way at a time when he had lost his job and believed he was suffering from a terminal illness, which was not the case, she added. Sentencing, Judge Michael Longman told him, You wanted to have sex with as many attractive men as possible. All the victims were much younger than you and entrusted themselves to you. You abused the trust they placed in you. Judge Longman sentenced Wilkinson to more than 11 years in prison. Following the result, the detective on the case, Constable Stacey Matthews, warned the public of Wilkinson's predatory nature. He made it clear during the press conference that he believed there had been many more victims. He said that on the surface, Nigel Wilkinson was a photographer with an interest in male fitness models. In private, he was a cunning sexual offender. He used his photography enterprise as a cover and catalyst for his own deviant activities. The victims have shown immense bravery, dignity and courage, he said, and I'd like to thank them for the support they've given the investigation team. These crimes have had a significant impact on them and their families. We believe there'll be more victims who haven't yet come forward, 
and I'd urge them to do so. Police continued their investigation into Wilkinson after the trial and asked to speak to anyone who may have had contact with him through photography or dating websites. They said that there could be many more victims due to the fact that men had been drugged and left with no memory of the events. They expected the number of victims to run into double figures and set about the awful task of trying to identify all the men in the thousands of pictures Wilkinson had taken. After the initial trial, PC Mike Stevens said the circumstances of the case were truly horrifying and encouraged any other victims of Wilkinson's to come forward and they would be listened to and believed. Over the next two years, the evidence mounted against Wilkinson from the testimony of men who came forward and the findings of the investigation were chilling. Now 44 years old and serving time in jail, Wilkinson was charged with a further 16 offences by the Avon and Somerset Police in May 2018. The offences were said to have been committed against another eight men and included two counts of rape, five counts of sexual assault, three counts of voyeurism and six counts of administering a stupefying substance with intent to commit sexual assault. Two of the victims had approached police about what had happened to them after seeing reports in the media about the initial court case. The others were contacted by police officers after they were identified in the images taken and kept by Wilkinson. Police tried to reach out to every man they identified to check on their welfare, but not all believed that they were victims or were willing to testify. The day after he was charged, Wilkinson was brought back to court wearing a grey short-sleeved shirt and black trousers and spoke only to confirm his name, date of birth and address. It would be November before he would return to Crown Court and the full details of his crimes would be revealed to the public. Wilkinson pleaded not guilty to the charges and by the time it went to trial, the charges against him had been reduced from 16 to 13 offences. There were now seven complainants in total. It began by his honour Judge Patrick warning the jurors that the nature of the case would mean they should expect to see pictures of naked men during the proceedings, and he urged those chosen to keep an open mind despite what they had heard before. More of Wilkinson's history was revealed during the second trial, including how he'd been working in retail before he took up amateur photography in 2013. Prosecutor Sarah Reagan described the business he set up conducting sports and fitness shoots as a front or vehicle for his depraved yearnings. Fitness photographer James Critchley's work is believed to have piqued Wilkinson's interest in the profession and he had reached out to Critchley a number of times for tutorials on how to use editing software. Despite running his own photography business, Mr Critchley noted how Wilkinson could barely use a camera and was still having trouble using Photoshop Skype conversations between Wilkinson and another user were also read out in court and appeared to uncover what had been his motivations all along. Under the username Straight Boy Lover, Wilkinson spoke to India152, telling them during October 2014 that he was into drugging and sleeping with men. He admitted to having what he called a huge straight boy fetish and that he often had mates to crash after parties.
In the messages, he also said how he liked to rob men of their masculinity through sexually assaulting them. He sent India 152, a number of images, but police were never able to recover these. When he began contacting men online, he offered them free photo shoots where he offered to take tasteful and arty semi-nudes. He even sent some men a photograph of himself with a woman, implying that he is heterosexual and telling some of them that the woman in the picture was his wife or girlfriend. However, this was not the case. He would pay for the men to travel from all across the UK to Bristol by train and paid them hundreds of pounds to take part in the photo shoots. He would almost always arrange for them to stay at his and for them to go for food and drinks afterward. With the men describing not being able to remember past a certain point in the night, later waking up in Wilkinson's bed or on his sofa with a bad head and different states of dress. When police would later show them pictures of themselves that were found in Wilkinson's possessions, all would insist they had never agreed to full nude and intimate pictures and had no recollection of them being taken. The first victim to give his evidence did so via video link. A live stream was broadcast onto two TV screens in the courtroom. He told jurors how Wilkinson had first contacted him after seeing him on TV and asked him if he could come for a photo shoot, which he did on February the 14th, 2014. Afterward, they went out for food and drinks, but he said he never intended to stay, but that when they got back to the defendant's house, he gave him one drink, and from that point onward, he does not remember anything except waking up briefly to find himself naked with Wilkinson behind him. He told police, I'm definitely sure he was doing stuff to me. He was trying to have sex with me. He said he must have passed out again, because the next time he awoke, it was morning, and he was naked, confused, and trying to comprehend what had happened to him. After that experience, he said he did not want to do another photo shoot, although Wilkinson offered him £300 to visit a second time. In messages back and forth, the victim began questioning the existence of Simon, and eventually the defendant admitted he had made him up. In one of the messages, Wilkinson asked him if they could do everything they did last time, but leaving out the photo shoot. Knowing Wilkinson meant would he sleep with him, it confirmed the man's worst fears about what had happened that night. A reply from the victim shows he agreed to meet Wilkinson again for sex, but at a hotel. A move the victim said he only did to send the defendant on a wild goose chase as a way of getting his own back. During the questioning, the jury and the victim were shown pictures of him that showed him lying on the floor naked. I can't remember any pictures being taken of me on the floor, he said, looking uncomfortable with the last picture shown to him. They are just inappropriate. I would not have agreed to that, he said. Miss Reagan, the prosecutor, asked him to look through the remaining photos. Pointing to one of them, she said, you seem to be smiling in this photograph. He replied, when they showed this to me, I asked them why I was smiling because I can't remember it being taken. Returning to a picture of him on the floor, Miss Reagan said, Is there anything you want to say about those? He said, It's just a bit weird, because I can't remember any of it. I can't understand why I would be on the floor in what is a normal-looking room. He had his own studio out back, so it doesn't make any sense. 
So you don't even recognise the room you're in, said Miss Reagan. No, he said. I'm assuming it's somewhere else in the house. The victim said he had no idea about the extent of the pictures until the police approached him. During the investigation, police had developed a statement to read out on their first meeting with potential victims. This statement was read out in court. It said, We have been and are currently investigating a man called Nigel Wilkinson, who lives in the Bristol area for serious offences. We believe you have had contact with him in the past. Is there anything in your contact with him that may be relevant to our inquiry? The second man, whose evidence was given in court, said he met Wilkinson at a barbecue in June 2014. He noted how Wilkinson had been flirtatious with him, but said he was not uncomfortable with that. Later on, he and a few others went to Wilkinson's, where they went into his bedroom and found another man lying on the bed. Wilkinson left and came back with a pintful of a purple-coloured drink. He refused to drink it, but Wilkinson fed it to him anyway, and he said he immediately felt strange and ran to the bathroom to be sick. He then took himself outside and spent the rest of the night locked in his car. The next morning, the victim told one of the other partygoers that he believed Wilkinson had drugged him. The third victim to give evidence was approached on Instagram by Wilkinson and believing him to be a legitimate photographer, agreed to a photo shoot. Wilkinson paid for his travel and when he arrived at the Windmill Hill address, Wilkinson immediately offered him a drink. He told him that he did not drink and so Wilkinson went and got him a non-alcoholic beverage. The next thing he remembered was waking up the next day on the sofa, fully clothed and under a blanket. That following day, Wilkinson paid him £300 for having taken part in the photo shoot. And although the victim asked for copies of the pictures, he was never shown the nudes taken of himself. Beforehand, he had told Wilkinson he did not want nudes taken and agreed only to shots in his underwear. Wilkinson told police that he thought the man had made the allegations because he was embarrassed of the photos they had taken together. The fourth victim to speak had a very similar story of arriving by train and being immediately offered a drink by Wilkinson, who told him it would make the veins on his muscles seem bigger. As the night went on, Wilkinson continued to ply him with glasses of wine. He felt a bit sick by the time the photo shoot was over, but they went out, although he said he can't remember past a certain point and awoke the next morning on the sofa in his boxer shorts with a blanket over him. He was confused and dazed and couldn't find his phone, which was eventually pointed out to him by Wilkinson, who said they should go for breakfast and take some more pictures. When he got dressed, he said he found mud all over the back of his jeans and his shoes. Arrangements were made for the fifth victim to travel to Bristol on November the 24th, 2015. He was expecting Wilkinson to be living in a house with his girlfriend, as that is the impression he had been given. Instead, when he arrived at the house, Wilkinson offered him a drink and in the complainant's words, was very pushy. He gave him a drink of vodka, then raspberry flavour shots and said he felt very on edge until Wilkinson's housemate got home and then he relaxed. Over the next hour and a half, they did a photo shoot and Wilkinson gave him wine, again telling the man that it would make the veins on his muscles protrude. Afterward, they went out. Wilkinson saying he could introduce the complainant to models and girls. 
Having a girlfriend already, the complainant said he wasn't interested in that, but said Wilkinson was adamant. Eventually they went out, and the man remembers feeling ill, but Wilkinson kept insisting he had more drinks. They later called a taxi and went back to Wilkinson's house. The next morning they did another photo shoot in Victoria Park, for which Wilkinson paid him £100. Again, he said he did not want to go out afterwards, but in the end, they went to a bar before he said he wanted to go home, adding that Wilkinson appeared really pissed off by that. When they got back to Wilkinson's house, he was given one more drink by the defendant while they were having a takeaway. The next day, they did another photo shoot, one of which was in the shower, but his private parts were meant to be obscured. Photos later retrieved by the police show images of the complainant's genitals. Pictures Miss Reagan said were clearly not taken for anything other than the defendant's own sexual gratification. It was then in November 2016 when the sixth victim went to meet Wilkinson at his house. Still posing as a photographer, he had begun messaging and asking the man to come for a photo shoot in October the previous year. He told the man they would likely go out afterwards and send him a picture of himself with a woman. The photo shoot went to plan and they took various photos including on the Clifton suspension bridge. When they returned to the house, Wilkinson asked him to do nude photos with his genitals covered. The victim said he thought the shoot was weird but went out afterwards with him. With Wilkinson promising to take him to the clubs and bars models were regularly seen in. By the time they got home, the victim said he was very drunk, but was offered another drink, and the last thing he remembers is drinking a shot. He woke up the next morning undressed except for his boxer shorts and face down on the sofa. He said he immediately felt like he had been drugged. He had 100% put something in my drink, he told the court. Wilkinson drove him to the train station and paid him £200 more than the complainant had expected. When he was greeted by his girlfriend, the other side of the train journey. He told her of his suspicions and later told his parents. He was later shown photographs that Wilkinson had taken of him by the police, some of which were ones of him on the suspension bridge. Other ones were naked photographs where he was partly covered and then naked photographs of him that he had no recollection of Wilkinson taking. He said he had not consented to those photos being taken. When questioned by the police, Wilkinson gave a statement which said there was nothing untoward with the shoot. He continues saying that he did not force him to do anything he was uncomfortable with. Wilkinson said the complainant told him he had been starving himself before the shoot and that's why they went to the restaurant Cosmos. He said he slept in his bed while the complainant slept on the sofa and that there was no sexual contact. The seventh and final victim to give evidence also received a message from Wilkinson online. The conversation led to Wilkinson asking the man to send pictures of his legs and back in preparation for the shoot. Exactly like with the others, he sent him a picture of him and a woman who he claimed was his wife and arranged the date of travel as Sunday, December the 13th, 2015. They did the shoot and the victim said he had a shower before they went out in Bristol together but the victim said he was not much of a drinker and watched his alcohol intake all night. When he started talking to some women, he said Wilkinson was not happy about it. Later on, when they got home, Wilkinson brought him a drink and that was the last thing he remembers. 
He woke up late the next morning, despite being an early riser, and had a sore head, despite not having much to drink. When he looked at his phone, he saw that phone calls and messages had been made to his mother, but did not remember contacting her. Later, when he asked his mother about the nature of the calls, she said that they were very out of character. Wilkinson said the complainant consented to all the photos he had taken and said the victim was using recreational drugs on the night. In his statement to police, Wilkinson wrote, Every photo was consented to, there was no sexual contact, and at no time did I administer any drugs. Another witness who did not want to give evidence in court, but whose story was presented as part of the jigsaw, had a similar experience with Wilkinson. Wilkinson had contacted him and paid for the shoot, during which he was plied with alcohol. He was given £200 for a 20-minute shoot. They got drinks in the city centre afterwards, but cannot remember getting back to the house and waking the next morning with a sore head. In January 2016, they arranged another photo shoot, but Wilkinson said he would refuse to pay him if he brought his girlfriend along. He was paid £250 for the second shoot, which only took 10 to 20 minutes. Again, that night he could not remember getting back to Wilkinson's house and woke the next morning with a headache. Miss Reagan, the prosecutor, said Wilkinson's behaviour showed it was not business and was nothing more than an opportunity to ply straight men with drink. After the witness testimony, the jury learned of the previous victims, hearing how one of the men had stayed over the night of his shoot only to be found by the police wandering about the streets in the early hours of the next morning. Police had returned him to Wilkinson's house. The month after that was when the man who texted his girlfriend believing he'd been drugged was found by police who had gone to Wilkinson's house because they were concerned for his welfare. The third victim in the previous trial, the jury heard, was found when police arrived at the address to arrest Wilkinson. He appeared to be sleeping but could not be woken. Wilkinson's housemate also testified at the second court case, saying he would make an effort not to be in the house when models were over, which he said they were about once a fortnight. He said he was aware that Wilkinson had an interest in photography. Wilkinson's other lodger said how guys would come over to be photographed, usually men in their 20s from all over the country. He would give us a few days' notice or maybe even a week, which I appreciated because it was always nice to know who was in the house, he said. I remember one week he had a guy here every night. The court also heard from photographer James Critchley, who is Wilkinson's ex-partner. His statement was read to the court, in which he said he thought Wilkinson had been trying to copy him by going into photography. They had been together from 2002 until 2006 and had lived in Bristol in a flat in the Harborside area. After they split, Wilkinson moved into his house by Victoria Park in South Bristol and they remained friends, but did not talk regularly. Mr Critchley had gotten into photography in 2011, doing weddings and other events, and later became a professional fitness photographer. He told police that shortly after that time, he had got a message from his ex-partner saying how the men in his pictures were really fit. Wilkinson is said to have gone on to use some of Mr Critchley's photographs to get the models into his studio. And at one point, one of the models contacted Mr. Critchley directly after doing a photo shoot with Wilkinson. Wilkinson messaged Mr. Critchley, asking him not to tell the model that the pictures were his. 
Some of the most shocking testimony of the court case came when an ex-prisoner told the jury how Wilkinson had told him while in prison together that he had many more victims. He said he was going to plead guilty and I remember him going to court and returning to prison and telling me he'd received an 11-year sentence. Nigel said, I hope the police don't carry on investigating me. Naturally, I asked why. He said, because there are more victims. The witness claimed the defendant had told him details about his crimes and about his background as a photographer. He told me people would come to his house so he could take photos and then he would assault them. At that time, he said there were three men. He told me he'd used drugs to sedate them and then committed the assaults. When questioned by Crown Prosecutor Sarah Reagan about whether Wilkinson had said what drugs he'd used, he'd said, he just said sedatives. I remember him saying someone was supplying them to him, but he bought them from the internet as well. He just said that there were a lot more victims, he added. He told me about when one of his victims had caught him dissolving the sedatives in the glass and it hadn't dissolved properly. In total, 39 men were identified as having their photographs taken by Nigel Wilkinson. 28 men had stayed the night at his home. A further 69 men were contacted by Wilkinson. Some of these did not reply or rejected his offers. Police were able to contact 51 of the men to check on their welfare, but many of these did not want to engage. The seven complainants in the trial were the ones who agreed to give evidence. Later, victim impact statements were read to the court. One of them said, This is the easiest statement I've provided. Why? Because I know exactly how this has affected me throughout my life. I pray that it doesn't continue to affect my life. I hope it will bring us all closure and we can all move on with our lives. When I realized what had happened to me, I felt stained. I felt like I'd been infected against my will. How could someone do this? I have nightmares after nightmares, flashbacks after flashbacks about that night. Reading in the press about how he had been caught in the act and hearing that others had been affected, I felt sick. I often wonder if I had come forward earlier, if I could have stopped other people being attacked. I was terrified because I didn't want to see pictures that he could have taken of me. I was scared that he would have taken pictures while he was raping me. How would I have ever gotten that out of my head? My question still is, did he take pictures while raping me as some kind of trophy? I'm glad that I found the strength to come forward, as it means that justice can be served. Another victim wrote, I don't trust anyone. I feel uncomfortable being around people I don't know, and I'm calling my parents several times a day. I feel isolated, degraded, and as a heterosexual male, it's hard to reach out. The whole court process has been hell at times. This is the sort of case you read about because it's happened to someone else, but you never realize it could be you. I still have trouble with trusting people and holding down a relationship because I don't have the confidence. It's impacted really negatively on other members of my family. A third victim said, It's hard to admit that I don't feel good. I feel so low right now. I used to be a really confident person, but it's been completely knocked out of me. I run my own business, and this has affected that. I have no motivation. My life has taken steps backwards rather than forwards. I feel that I'm starting my life from scratch. I feel disgusted, 
used and powerless. I feel pretty useless and worthless, I guess. The fourth and final victim to give a statement said, It will always be on my mind as I will never fully know what happened that night or how I ended up at his property. I have so many bottled up feelings that have affected my relationship with my children. I've never truly felt right after that night. I quit my job as a fitness instructor and have completely stopped drinking because it's too much of a reminder. I'm still holding back as I don't know what happened. I now have anger issues which have led to the breakdown of my marriage and can no longer feel comfortable and open in my body. The charges against Wilkinson were eventually reduced to 12, with the prosecution presenting no evidence for the offence of voyeurism. The jury was sent out to deliberate, and on their return, found Wilkinson guilty of rape and two counts of administering a substance with intent. They later also found him guilty of three charges of voyeurism and three charges of administering a substance with intent. They cleared him of one count of voyeurism and were undecided on one remaining count of administering a substance with intent. Judge Patrick told Wilkinson, who was already serving an 11 and a half year sentence for the previous convictions, to expect a substantial additional sentence to be added to his already lengthy prison time. He was to be sentenced the next day, but decided not to attend court. His defence counsel told the judge that when his client told him he was not going to attend court, it was not to be discourteous, but that it was because his sentence would inevitably be beyond his expected release date of February 2022. Judge Patrick said, The reality is that criminal proceedings are not an option. I take a dim view of this choice. During his final statement to defend his client, Wilkinson's lawyer, Mr Burgess, said, I accept in the spirit of realism rather than defeatism that to argue against the dangerousness of the defendant is very difficult in my position, as your honour has a wealth of evidence contrary to this. However, what I would encourage is that the court deals with these matters as a whole. With the greatest respect, I resist the conclusion that this was a campaign of rape. Wilkinson was sentenced to 21 and a half years to run concurrently to his existing 11 and a half year sentence. He will not be eligible for parole until he has served two thirds of the new custodial term. Outside the court, Detective Inspector Larissa Hunt said, the inescapable truth is some of them will never know whether they were raped or sexually assaulted by Nigel Wilkinson. Whether more victims of Wilkinson's will come forward in the years to come, it is unclear. What is clear is that due to his lengthy sentence, Wilkinson will not be able to offend again for a very long time. A fact that for many means that justice has been served. Thank you for listening to another episode of Unbelievable. Please take a second to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, share with your friends and follow us on social media. The links are in the description below. I'm your host, Bronwyn Weatherby, and please join us next week when we'll have another unbelievable story to tell you. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye. 